Hey, guten Morgen. We were listening to Donald Marshall channel, weren't we? Um, two hours ago. Aperdon makes complete fool of himself at Town Hall. If you hate wearing bras, then you're going to want to listen up. Ten years ago, I gave up my regular bras and I... But during this campaign, a huge amount of your time has been spent in court, in the courtroom, in New York, and, and so forth. Now, in this New York civil fraud case, this Judge Arthur Engeron ruled against you for almost a half a billion dollars plus interest that runs every day. When I first read this, like $87,000 a day. How would you put up that kind of money? Because you have a bond to put up. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's... Uh, uh, it's a lot it of, is lot a of dough. form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. <laughs> I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. Truly repugnant right there, and that should be called a seven- or eight-figure in-kind contribution by Fox to Donald Trump. I suppose they're calling it a so-called town hall. There, Donald Trump is comparing himself to Navalny, based on the civil judgment entered against Donald Trump for his systemic and persistent fraud. And Donald Trump believes that's like getting executed by Vladimir Putin. Anyway, Donald Trump continues to basically compare himself to Navalny. Play the clip right here. People around the world are expressing outrage over the death of Alexei Navalny, of course, in a horrific Russian prison. Um, you posted on Truth Social about it. You said that his death made you more aware of the political circumstances here at home. It's happening here. Specifically arrivals. I, get, I want to give you the chance. Here, special counsel Jack Smith will be very interested in what Donald Trump has to say. I call this Exhibit 1. Play the clip. I need to hand him over when they were requested, though. I mean, they requested him. You could have just handed him over. Probably I was saved yourself a lot of trouble. First of all, I didn't have to hand him over. But second of all, I would have done that. We were talking, and then all of a sudden they raided Mar-a-Lago. Do you remember? They said, could you put an extra lock on the door? We showed them where they were. We showed them. Unlike being under a Corvette in a little garage with the door open all the time, we had these things locked. We were surrounded all the time by many Secret Service agents. We had Secret Service all over Mar-a-Lago. You couldn't take anything out. But what happened, and, and when you take a look, Biden didn't have the Presidential Records Act. He's at great jeopardy, really. But they here Donald Trump gives his Tony Soprano, or should I say Alphonse Capone, who Donald Trump compares himself to. Here Trump is basically saying, uh, you know, I think the truckers are going to do something about New York. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be that very nice if the truckers went and did something about that nice city of yours? Play this clip. So there are constitutional hurdles you're going to have to cross. Are you going to expect the Supreme Court would interfere in a state court decision? I've never seen such support on a decision before. Uh, truckers, everybody, they're saying we're not going to deal in New York. People are leaving New York. I've never seen support like this. I think there's a lot of pressure on the court system of New York to do what's right. I mean, you have him just sitting there in this bogus town hall as Laura Ingraham and Fox platforms this deranged nonsense, just extorting the country, extorting judges, comparing himself to Navalny, Laura Ingraham almost like coaching him on things as well. This is really weird. Donald Trump says that Tim Scott, the uh, junior senator from South Carolina, 
does much better promoting Donald Trump than he did running for uh, the presidency. And watch this Tim Scott smile and nod. Play the clip. I have to say, I don't. This is in a very positive way. Tim Scott, he has been much better for me than he was for himself. I watched his campaign. <laughs> And he doesn't like talking about himself. Just kissing the ring right there. And here, um, Laura Ingraham and Donald Trump are discussing uh, more on the classified documents. And Donald Trump, again, I'll just call this Exhibit 2 or Exhibit B. Play this clip. Should Biden have been charged in the classified documents case? Well, nobody else has been over the years because, you know, Hillary took a lot and Bill took a lot. Bill took them out of his socks. They call it the socks case. Which he won with a very tough judge, which he won. Uh, Bush took him. Everybody, Reagan took him out. Everybody took him out. It only became a big subject when I took things out. The difference is I had what's called the Presidential Records Act. I was allowed to do what I did. They passed the act in 1978. They passed the Presidential Records Act. But you can only use it or be there if you're president. Biden. So unhinged right here, Donald Trump says that uh, even the judge, even Justice Arthur and Goron recognized that Donald Trump made the perfect loan. His loan was so perfect. He did great loans. I think the judgment was the exact opposite of that. I mean, just a complete lunatic up there, just spewing a bunch of nonsense. Play this clip. There's a lot of pressure on the court system of New York to do what's right. You borrow a small amount of money by comparison, you pay it back. The bank is in love with you. And by the way, this is a time, and a lot of the audience says, no, banks are doing very badly with commercial loans. They're not getting their money back. They're in default. Everything. This was a perfect loan. I did a favor to this bank. I borrowed money. I paid it back. It was already done. Just one second. I listened to it. I pay it back. And then this guy uses this. They come. It was just a weapon. They come after me, and they charge me many times the money that you're talking about. $355 million fine for a perfect loan. Where the bank was happy, the insurance companies, everybody's happy. And even he, in his statement, he said Trump did nothing he wrong. said he didn't have any control. And no fact checks, no difficult questions, just Laura Ingraham sitting there. As I said, they call it a so-called town hall. Looks like an in-kind contribution to me. And here is Donald Trump saying that he is an expert in law. Play this clip. It's all oh, coming in on you now. If I didn't, from criminal to civil to the run, money. No, I got everything. I become an expert at law. If I didn't run, I wouldn't have any of these lawsuits. You know that. None of them. Well, I, I certainly hope that you and Alina Habba continue to lead the litigation strategy right here. Here, Donald Trump seems to hedge on this idea that he has the cash for the, when you add up the E. Jean Carroll defamation verdict against him, as well as the New York Attorney General civil fraud judgment against him, you get pretty close to half a billion dollars right there. And Donald Trump seems to hedge on the fact that he has this cash. Play this clip. Question, which I thought about a lot last night because it's yeah. such a huge amount of money. You have to decide whether you're going to put up that bond and escrow do. To, to appeal. Are I you do. going to do that? And where are you I'll tell get you the what money? we're going to do. Number one, we'll have a lot of cash, but that doesn't mean he can take it. I mean, you know what he did? I think he looked at my cash and he said, well, we'll take all of his cash. This is all coming out of the White House. This is all, everything that you see, whether it's that one or the DA. You know, in the DA's office, this? in Bragg's office, he has his top people from the 
DOJ working in the district attorney's office in New York. Nobody knows that. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference. They're trying to damage me so they can win another election. They want to... How... The like a billionaire. How'd you sleep last night? Oh, no. If you answered not so great, just okay, or don't ask, okay. you're not in the neck. So uh, cozy itis at checkout. Another case as well right now where they may have to settle for somewhere in that range for uh, their defamation of Dominion, their defamation of Smartmatic. Watch Donald Trump here play the clip. If I were that? losing in the polls, they wouldn't even be talking about me and I wouldn't have had any legal fees. If you had retired from politics, would all these If cases? I were out, I think, although they hate me so much, I'm, I think if I got out there, still, let's pursue this guy. We can't stand this guy. Look, I won an election that wasn't supposed to be winnable. I then did much better the second time. I won't get into it, but I did because of Fox. But I want, I did. Here's a moment where you have Laura Ingraham trying to, again, coach <laughs> Donald Trump, where Trump tries to say that people shouldn't do mail-in voting. And you'll see Ingraham saying, but uh, you do good with mail-in. Don't you want mail-in? Again, she's just sitting up there like coaching this lunatic. Play the clip. How are you going to make sure that mail-in ballots and voter fraud, which we heard from a lot of people in line, was an issue front and center. They're very concerned about mail-in voting. So forget the past. What are you going to do to make sure we don't have problems going forward? If you have mail-in voting, you automatically have fraud. If you have Okay, well, there's mail-in voting in Florida, That's and right. you won huge. That's right. If you have it, you're going to have fraud. But you won. Because you don't have any. When you go into a voting place, like you go into one in a, in a properly run state, they look at you, they give you give voter ID, you give all sorts of identification. I mean, it would be very hard to cheat in a mask. When you also right here, you'll see her again coaching him once more, basically telling him that he shouldn't say um, he shouldn't go and, and attack people. He said because she says that makes women upset at him. Play this clip. Like the question about score settling. A lot, a lot of women, you know, they don't let women voters. They don't like the name calling. They don't like the score settling. They just. Again, what are we even are we watching a therapy session? Are we watching a coaching session. This is not a town hall. What we're watching is not journalism. What we're watching is just a pathetic, unhinged lunatic just sitting there spewing a bunch of nonsense. Here, Laura Ingraham asked Donald Trump the first thing that he would do in office. Here's what he says. They're emptying out their prisons into What's the country. first thing you will do if you become president again on the border? I know well, that's going to be your first there's act. There's two things I'm going to do. Number one is drill, baby, drill. And the other thing, equal, equal. Got it. So he's just saying drill, baby, drill. I mean, you do realize that if we care about facts and data under President Biden, there is more domestic drilling than when Trump was in office. You know, drill, baby, drill. There's more drilling now, and President Biden's been focused on addressing climate change in a major way that you can actually do both right there. And again, you've got Donald Trump saying, drill, baby, drill, killing the border deal, killing the funding to Ukraine, literally killing Ukrainians for Vladimir Putin, disgustingly comparing himself to Navalny admitting to crimes and stealing classified information. But of course, the takeaway from Fox here is that this was very presidential, and this is what it looks like when you're running in a general election. This is Kaylee McEnany giving her recap at the end. Play this clip. 
start with you. Does the former president look like he's in fighting shape? Yes, I saw a general election candidate tonight, not someone who has a primary on his hands. I saw someone totally focused on winning new voters. I, I mean, I sat back and I tried to view this through the lens of a suburban woman, suburban mom, an independent voter, and I saw someone who reminded me of better times. I saw some. No, Kaylee, that's not what that was. That was not a normal general election thing. Okay, that's not how Mitt Romney talked. That's not how John McCain talked. That's not how George W. Bush talked. That's not how Bob Dole talked. That's not how Ronald Reagan talked. That's not how George H.W. Bush talked. That's not how Jimmy Carter talked. That's not how Bill Clinton talked. That's not how John Kerry talked. That's not how people conduct themselves when they're seeking the highest office. When I watch Donald Trump there and I watch these unhinged speeches time and time again, what's very clear to me is this is an individual who would be disqualified from holding a leadership position and probably disqualified from working in any large corporation, medium-sized corporation, small business, nonprofit, or even attending a social gathering. You're going to invite an adjudicated rapist who continues to defame his rape victim over and over again to a social gathering while he talks about cognitive tests and starts bragging about the crimes he's committing? You would not. So why do you have an incentive structure and this deranged, unhinged propaganda media propped up GOP that's gone full MAGA that incentivizes this deranged behavior. This would be unacceptable behavior for third graders, second graders, first graders, but it's someone who is leading the Republican Party. Look, I think that independents get it. I think that um, mainstream Republicans get it. I obviously think that Democrats get it. I think it's so critical, so crucial that we come together under the pro-democracy umbrella, look at what we're watching and say this is insane, or here's what President Biden has to say about it. And Biden wants to highlight these things, you know, and it's incumbent on us to get these messages out if legacy media isn't. This was a report from CNN about what President Biden has ordered his campaign leaders to do. Play this clip. Yeah, Brianna, what we've learned is that President Biden himself personally instructed some of his top campaign aides to be even more aggressive in highlighting some of President Trump's uh, more inflammatory and wild comments. Uh, we are told that the thrust of the president's direction was to significantly ramp up the campaign's efforts to highlight the crazy shit that Trump says uh, in public. You know, we yeah, because look, legacy media needs to cover it the way we're covering it here on the Midas Touch Network. Call it out. I'm Ben Micellis. This is the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. Let's get to 3 million subscribers together. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. She just uses Tristagram. ProPlan is always advancing with game-changing formulas that promote mental sharpness and help extend. Thanks for 339K, even if it's just law enforcement. ABC News exclusive tonight after Donald Trump was fined nearly $355 million in his mm -hmm. civil fraud case. Tonight, New York State's Attorney General Letitia James saying she's prepared to seize Donald Trump's assets, mm -hmm. including his buildings, nice. if he doesn't pay the money.
ABC's Aaron Katursky, one-on-one tonight with the Attorney General. Thank you, Tish. Four days after a judge ordered Donald Trump to pay $355 million for a decade of fraud, New York Attorney General Letitia James says she's prepared to do everything she can to make sure the former president pays his fine, including, she told us, seizing the buildings that bear his name. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, and then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. And we will ask the judge to seize his assets. Trump was held liable for exaggerating his wealth and inflating the value of his real estate so banks would give him low interest loans. Trump insisted the banks liked doing business with him. They said no victim. No one got harmed. The banks got paid back. So no harm, no foul. Why is that? not the case in your view. So financial frauds are not victimless crimes. He engaged in this massive amount of fraud and it wasn't just a simple mistake, a slight oversight. The variations were wildly exaggerated and the extent of the fraud was staggering. Trump said the penalty against him would drive other businesses out of New York. We'll appeal, we'll be successful, I think, because frankly, if we're not successful, New York State is gone. But the state's attorney general told us she's not worried. And last I checked, tourism is up and Wall Street is doing just fine. Even with an impending appeal, Trump must either put all $355 million in escrow at the quarter post a portion of it as a bond with interest And David, tonight, the attorney general is telling us she is determined to make Trump pay, even if it means seizing this building or others long in the Trump portfolio. New York Attorney General Letitia James says that she is prepared to seize Donald Trump's buildings if he can pay his $354 million civil fraud fine. In fact, the number actually is more like $463.9 million when you add the pre-judgment interest, which uh, increases each and every day. ABC got the exclusive with New York Attorney General Letitia James. You saw there at the beginning of this video, she stated the following, if he does not have the funds to pay off the judgment, then we will seek judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets, James said in an interview with ABC News's Aaron Katersky. Uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James goes on to say, quote, we are prepared to make sure that the judgment is paid to New Yorkers, and yes, I look at 40 Wall Street each and every day, James said of the standard court process for collecting judgments in civil cases. And Donald Trump gave this pathetic so-called town hall with Laura Ingram from Fox on Tuesday evening where he seemed to hedge about having the cash to be able to post a bond here. And recall, it's not only the 400 plus million dollars in connection with the New York Attorney General civil fraud case. You also have the E. Jean Carroll defamation verdict where a New York federal jury awarded $83.3 million to E. Jean Carroll. So in total, Donald Trump's going to have to post bonds in excess of $500 million. Here's what Donald Trump said when speaking to Laura Ingraham on Fox. Notice how he hedges here. Play this question, which I thought about a lot last night because it's such a huge amount of money. You have to decide whether you're going to put up that bond and escrow to to appeal. Are you going to do that? I'll I'll tell you what we're going to do. Number one, we'll have a lot of cash, but that doesn't mean he can take it. I mean, you know what he did? I think he looked at my cash and he said, 
Well, we'll take all of his cash. This is all coming out of the White House. This is all, everything that you see, whether it's that one or the DA. You know, in the DA's office, in Bragg's office, he has his top people from the DOJ working in the district attorney's office in New York. Nobody knows that. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference. They're trying to damage me so they can win another election. They want to also in the same interview with Laura Ingraham, Donald Trump compares himself to Alexei Navalny. You ain't no Navalny. You're a Putin. Play this clip. President, the crowd's going crazy here. But during this campaign, a huge amount of your time has been spent in court, in the courtroom in New York and, and so forth. Now, in this New York civil fraud case, this Judge Arthur Engeron ruled against you for almost half a billion dollars plus interest that runs every day. When I first read, it's like $87,000 a day. How would you put up that kind of money? Because you have a bond to put up. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's uh, uh, it's a lot it of dough. It is a, lot a of dough. form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. And by the I had no idea what 100 calories looked like until I tried this. I thought I was eating healthy, but I never realized and I was the eating only over calories most days. Because I ate dense snacks, like peanut I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. And by the way, one of the biggest tells that Donald Trump does not actually have the cash to post this bond or he's struggling to do it is not only Trump's statement right there, but it's also these interviews that Donald Trump's so-called lawyer, Alina Habba, is giving. Heart health and staying healthy, especially when you have family, friends, or loved ones that you want to be able to spend as much for than a healthy lifestyle. I feel like I have shoes on allbeats.com. When she says, of course, it's usually the opposite. Here, play this clip of Alina Hama. My goodness. My goodness. Um, so Judge Engeron says that he wants this $350 million within 30 days. Now, I know that you're planning on appealing this, but you've still got to put up the full amount pending that appeal. Does Donald Trump so. have that kind yeah. of money sitting around? Yes. I mean, he does. Of course, he has money. You know, he's a billionaire. Um, we know that. Um, and going back to New York Attorney General Letitia James, here's what she also said about the big verdict against Donald Trump in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case about holding him accountable for lying and cheating. Play the clip. Because the scale and the scope of Donald Trump's fraud is staggering. And so, too, is his ego and his belief that the rules do not apply to him. Today, we are holding Donald Trump accountable. We are holding him accountable for lying, cheating, and a lack of contrition, and for flouting the rules that all of us must play by. Because there cannot be different rules for different people in this country and former presidents are no exception. This decision is a massive victory for every American who believes in that simple but fundamental pillar of our democracy, that the rule of law applies to all of us equally, fairly, and justly. Thank you. Here, New York Attorney General Letitia James speaks about 
the amount of money at issue here. Play this clip. Donald Trump and the other defendants were ordered to pay $463.9 million. That represents $363.9 million in disgorgement, plus $100 million in interest, which will continue to increase every single day until it is paid. Donald Trump, the former chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg, and the former controller of the Trump Organization, Jeffrey McConney, are each banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for three years. Mr. Weisselberg and Mr. McConney are also banned for life from serving in a financial management role in any New York company. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for two years. And Donald Trump and his companies are banned from applying for loans from any New York bank or financial institution for three years. A new independent director of compliance will be created at the Trump Organization to ensure the company establishes internal protocols and meets financial reporting obligations. And the current independent external monitor will continue to oversee the company's financial dealings and ensure this fraud cannot continue. And here, New York Attorney General Letitia James reinforces that white-collar financial crimes are not victimless. Play the clip. Companies' financial dealings and ensure this fraud cannot continue. I want to be clear. White-collar financial fraud is not a victimless crime. When the powerful break the law and take more than their fair share, there are fewer resources available for working people, small businesses, and families. And everyday Americans cannot lie to a bank about how much money they have in order to get a mortgage to buy a home. Going back to Donald Trump's atrocious lawyer, or I shouldn't say atrocious, make sure she represents you in all of your cases, Donald. She's great. Keep keep Alina Abba rep representing you. Here's what Alina Abba had to say about what she believes the grounds are for the appeal. Play this clip. What are your grounds on appeal here? What are my grounds on appeal is a better question. Uh, where do you begin? I mean, we could start with all the things we talked about, Rob, over the past six months on these cases, in this case in particular. Contrast to that, New York Attorney General Letitia James says that she is very confident, she tells NBC, with the strength of her case on appeal, and James reiterated that her office would not hesitate to seize assets. You know, that order by Justice Arthur and Gore on 92 pages, I encourage you to read it because it is detailed. It goes over all of the documents at issue. It uh, goes over all of the witness testimony and lines up witness testimony, whether it's consistent or inconsistent with the documents at issue. And, you know, that's the most important thing that we do here at the Midas Touch Network. We get into the nitty gritty. We get into the evidence together. You know, it's not about just, you know, just attacking this or attacking. It's not what we do here. We go through the evidence. We listen to what people say. We'll see if Donald Trump's able to post the combined total of somewhere near that half a billion dollars that he needs to post for a bond. We'll keep you posted every step of the way. 
I'm Ben Mycellus. This is the Midas Touch Network. Let's get to 3 million such subscribers together. Hit subscribe now. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at MidasTouch.com newsletter. If you've been injured in a car accident, don't call an attorney. Use this AI app instead. That's what I did, and it's how I got this $100,000 check in less than 30 seconds. I know it sounds crazy, but trust me, if you've been injured in a car accident, I'm about to turn your world upside down. So I was in a car accident a few months ago. My car was totaled, and I ended up injuring my arm. I was in a bad situation. I missed work, and to make things worse, the small check the insurance offered me wasn't enough to buy a replacement car in this market. Luckily, I was scrolling on my phone late at night and came across a video just like this. So we've all heard of AI before. It's smarter and better than humans and will eventually replace us all. But I've never heard of an AI lawyer before. I found this app called the Case Connect Compensation Calculator. It's 100% free for anyone to use. And I put a link in the description below, so check it out. But it looks like this. It uses an AI lawyer that's pretty much at the same level of a Harvard Law graduate. It asks four simple questions and instantly compares your car accident to over 10 million car accidents. Then it'll tell you immediately if you qualify for a major cash payout. And the best part, if you qualify, it can connect you to a Case Connect specialist who will get the money for you. You literally don't have to pay a penny out of pocket or lift a finger. That's what I did and I'm so grateful because this check is gonna put me back on my feet and help me replace my car. AI is eventually gonna take over and who knows what will happen. But for now, this AI lawyer is like your personal law firm who works for you for free, has only your best interests in mind, and will get you paid more than any law firm could ever get you. So if you've been injured in a car accident, and want a major cash payout like I got here, then use this AI attorney app ASAP. Answer four simple questions and see if you qualify for as much or more than I got here. Click the link I shared in the description. I hope this helps. Time raises your credit score, right? Wrong. In fact, this is the first of three major credit score lies you're being told by the big credit companies. Fall for any of these three lies and it doesn't matter what you do. Getting to 720 and above will be a long, hard struggle, if you ever get there at all. In fact, if you're one of the 153 million Americans with a credit score below 720, it's probably because you've unknowingly fallen for one or more of these three deadly lies that the big credit companies want you to believe. Not only are these lies flat out wrong, and not only do they make it nearly impossible to get a great credit score, but in many cases, fall for them, and they'll send your score spiraling in the wrong direction. Because during five long years working inside the credit industry, I saw countless Americans get taken advantage of by the billion dollar banks and credit card companies, which is why right now, I'm going to expose these three dangerous lies, tell you exactly what to do instead, and finally show you the proven, little known, and 100% legal trick I discovered when working in the credit industry. This trick can raise your scores practically on command, and it's so easy and convenient. You can start using it as soon as today, from the comfort of your own home, to boost your credit scores in as little as five minutes. It doesn't even matter if your score is stuck in the 500s or below right now. 
This trick takes advantage of a little-known loophole written directly into the consumer credit laws, so it's legally guaranteed to work for you. Believe me when I say, implement this five-minute trick, and you'll find yourself soaring right through this secret loophole in the credit system, where you can watch in amazement as your scores go to the moon in as little as days. So please, stop whatever you're doing and go watch the special video I put together for you at the link you see on your screen right now. See, my name is Jay Hannon, and after years of working inside the credit industry, I got so fed up of seeing good people get taken advantage of by this twisted system, I decided enough was enough and I quit. Since then, I've been blessed to help more than 833,000 people learn how to improve their scores using this simple five-minute credit score trick each day. So if you're ready to join the 833,000 people who have discovered these three major credit score lies and turn their financial lives around using the same five-minute credit score trick you're about to discover, I'd like to show you exactly how you can use this simple trick too. Just click the link you see on your screen. It'll take you to a special video I created revealing everything about these awful lies and how you can use this shockingly simple trick to raise your credit scores faster than you ever thought possible. This trick practically forces banks and lenders to give you all the credit cards, loans, and lines of credit you need to buy the things you want for yourself and your family at interest rates normally reserved for the wealthy 1%. No matter how low your credit scores are right now, all you have to do is click the link and go watch the video right now. When I put it online, Something amazing started to happen. Aside from being watched by more than two and a half million people so far, my inbox started overflowing with messages from... What's up, everyone? Coach D speaks with the Midas Touch Network. So the new MAGA Republican GOP, they don't trust anyone. They don't trust doctors. They don't trust dentists. They don't trust teachers lawyers, the government, the court system, the Supreme Court, the circuit courts, any of the courts at all. They only trust Donald Trump and the people he tells them to trust. Unless, of course, any of those people turn on him or start telling the truth about him, then he tells them not to trust them either. So they're back to only trusting Donald Trump. What a life. A judge ordered him to pay more than $350 million in his civil fraud case and has barred him from running a business in New York for three years. Do you trust someone who isn't allowed to run his own business to run the country, Mr. Chairman? Actually, I don't trust this court decision. Um, it, you know, being a, a practicing lawyer in, in commercial transactions, I think the whole premise of the case, which all legal analysts have said is unusual, um, is, is, uh, is, is not really justifiable. We'll have to see ultimately how the appeals uh, run in this case. But I think um, if this case stands, it's going to be a threat to really just all businesses, including those who are, are currently operating in New York. If you guys don't see this man's statement, as a slap in the face to the American taxpayer, I don't think you guys are paying attention. He said, if this case stands, it's going to be a threat to all businesses, including those that are currently operating in New York. He says that like it's a bad thing. Listen, if all businesses, including those who are currently operating in New York, are as criminal as Donald Trump's businesses are, we're all for this being a threat to them. Like, you know who suffers the most from businesses being criminal? We do. And, and what is really telling here is that these people have been involved in illegal and unethical business practices for so long, they don't even see it as criminal and unethical. He's basically sitting there saying, hey, 
We should just allow Donald Trump to do this because we've been allowing all businesses to do it for years. And again, the only people who suffer from them being involved in illegal and unethical practices is us, the middle class American taxpayer. But as you know, Mr. Chairman, this is not the only time that Mr. Trump has been fined for his business practices. In 2019, he was ordered to pay $2 million amid revelations that his charity misused funds. He was ordered to pay fines in 2018 related to his now defunct university. Does that undercut his trustworthiness as a leader? I love Kristen Welker and all the work she's trying to do. And I do realize she's limited on her time. But there's a whole lot of context being left out here. So let me help out. She talks about Donald Trump and his organization being involved in criminal activity. And she names recent cases in 2016 and 2018. But no, Donald Trump and his organizations have been sued, sanctioned, and settled some type of court case because of their criminal and unethical business practices since the 90s. This is nothing new. Magas would love for you to believe that all this started when he came down the escalator and announced he was running for president in 2016. But no, his criminal activity, his crook activity has been happening for decades. You know, all of those issues were taken in consideration as the, as the country elected him to president last time. So basically what he's saying there is, listen, we're in a cult. We don't care that he's a criminal. We voted for him anyway. We're going to do it again. We don't even know why we love him so much. We just do. And his record as president is what we really need to look at. Our country was stronger. Our economy was stronger. Um, and, and I think uh, our border certainly being secure is probably the most important issue uh, that Americans are going to look at. The 8 million people who have gone across the border during the Biden administration is absolutely an invasion. Uh, this is something that President Trump had addressed. Um, and the fact that President Biden well, reversed by executive orders, uh, that those issues that have been put in place to protect our country are going to be important. Devoters. Of course, he goes to the talking points. And even though all metrics show that the country is stronger now and even the economy is getting stronger now, he goes out and says the opposite anyway. But there's a reason he left out context, because there is none. He knows it's a lie. Then he quickly pivots to the border because they think that's their winning issue in 2024. This is why we don't have a border bill right now. They want to drag this out all the way until November and then blame Democrats for it, even though Senate and congressional Democrats have come up with a bill that even the Border Patrol supports. The Republican Party has become an embarrassment to this country. As bad as it was back in the day, this is no longer your grandfather's Republican Party. This new Republican Party wants Donald Trump and his family to be our royal family. They're obsessed with stroking his ego, all at the expense of middle class and poor Americans. Period. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at MidasTouch.com newsletter. After 30 days, I could not believe my scale. I literally turned back the clock. Ten years. When I Ten years. This is Michael Popak. It's time for Legal AF After Dark, the three co-anchor edition.
Ben Maizalas, Karen Friedman, Ignifolo, and me. We get together. And this time we're talking about, as you'll see on the next clip, what are the next steps now that it's in the hands of John Roberts, Chief Justice, with Donald Trump's attempt uh, to have his D.C. election interference case, have it dismissed, have the indictment go bye-bye because of um, uh, absolute immunity. He already lost at the D.C. Court of Appeals. He didn't get a chance to take it to the full D.C. Court of Appeals. Will that matter to the Supreme Court? Will John Roberts send it back to the full group of nine to see if there are four votes to decide whether to take the appeal up at all, or will he leave undisturbed the D.C. Court of Appeals decision against Donald Trump, finding that there is not, none and never will be presidential immunity for criminal conduct that's committed by a person who occupies the Oval Office while president. And the indictment stays exactly where it is. We give you our best analysis at that intersection of law and politics. Take a listen. All right, let's just switch gears, though, very quickly, talk about what's happening with the United States Supreme Court, just as a refresher in the Washington, D.C. federal criminal case against uh, Donald Trump being prosecuted by special counsel Jack Smith for Trump's attempt to overthrow the results of the 2020 election. Donald Trump asserted absolute presidential immunity in a motion to dismiss the indictment. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin denied Donald Trump's motion to dismiss in uh, early mid-December. Donald Trump then appealed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. That interlocutory appeal stayed the proceedings before Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin. Um, there was oral arguments that were held before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. They finally reached a ruling affirming what the district court did, in other words, rejecting absolute presidential immunity. And they gave Donald Trump until February 12th to go seek a stay of their mandate from them sending basically their order to the district court for the district court to resume proceedings. They gave Trump until February 12th to seek this application for a stay pending an application for a petition for certiorari, in other words, the actual appeal on the issue. They gave Trump until February 12th to do that. Trump waited until February 12th and filed this application for a stay with the United States Supreme Court. Trump didn't file with it a petition for certiorari, which would be saying, we want you to actually hear the issue of absolute presidential immunity. What Trump filed was, please stay all of these proceedings, keep the district court paused, delay, delay, delay. It would take five Supreme Court justices ultimately to vote in favor of an application for a stay for the stay to be in effect. The Supreme Court through Justice Roberts gave special counsel Jack Smith until February 20th to file a response. Special counsel Jack Smith had a response ready within 48 hours, filed a response saying that there should not be a stay and just to send the case back to the district court, Supreme Court, you shouldn't even hear this on certiorari. Why, special counsel Jack Smith says, because we tried to bring this issue to you back in December. Remember when the government did that on an expedited basis? Well, you rejected it then, so you probably don't think this is an issue that you want to even hear. And in any event, there's been a new development since December, which is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals made this bulletproof, appeal-proof, 50-plus page ruling. So Donald Trump has no prospect of success 
in the Supreme Court reversing what the D.C. Circuit did. So read what the D.C. Circuit did. You have to apply the standards. One, a likelihood that you would grant certiorari in the United States Supreme Court. Two, that there's a prospect of success. And three, you have to balance the equities. If you apply those factors, there should not be five votes on the issue of this application for a stay, this delay being sought by Donald Trump. But Special Counsel Jack Smith says, look, I do kind of get that I brought this issue to you in December, you know, which, you know, I, I, I hear you. We said it was a fundamental issue then, even though there were these new developments that have since emerged, like you rejecting it and the D.C. Circuit affirming what federal judge Tanya Chutkin did. So if you do want to hear it, Let's not do a delay. Just convert Donald Trump's application for a stay into a petition for certiorari. Set oral argument on the issue of absolute presidential immunity for some time in early to mid-March. And let's just expedite this and get the show on the road. Then Donald Trump's lawyers filed a reply, even though I don't think the Supreme Court requested one. And the main argument by Donald Trump's lawyers were, look, this is kind of disingenuous by special counsel Jack Smith saying that you shouldn't stay this and that you shouldn't grant a petition for certiorari when special counsel Jack Smith requested you do so back in December, um, while kind of ignoring the thrust of special counsel Jack Smith's arguments, though, that, um, look, there's new data. Supreme Court, you rejected it when we requested it. And two, we've got the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal ruling. So send it back to the district court is what Jack Smith is arguing. The Supreme Court meets on Friday. Um, you know, they have a meeting. They convene with the justices. So I think they probably met and Harry Littman, who I did a hot take with, who used to be a top official at the DOJ, he believes that they met uh, the justices, the nine justices on Friday. So I would expect really any moment now as early as, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think no later than uh, this upcoming Wednesday, we will hear if the Supreme Court will grant an application for a stay. It takes five justices to grant the application for a stay. So if you got the five votes for a stay, I think you'd have the four votes to then grant a petition for certiorari, which is why Jack Smith said then just convert the stay into the petition, grant a petition, set the hearing so we can have that oral argument. Y'all remember the oral argument with the 14th Amendment Section 3 case? Jack Smith's basically like that same type of oral argument. Just set that for March. Let's get the show on the road if you're eventually going to grant certiorari anyway. So we're waiting to hear what the Supreme Court does there. As early as uh, early next week, we could hear the Supreme Court basically say um, they're not going to grant a stay and send this thing back to the district court and proceedings will uh, get back up there, which they've been stayed since, you know, early to mid-December before federal judge Tanya uh, Chutkin there. Or they could possibly say we're going to grant a stay and they probably then say we're going to grant uh, the petition for certiorari and set oral argument, in which case the matter would remain stated. But I'd expect an oral argument to happen more in that kind of March, mid-March, late March, potentially early April period. But we'll have to see what the Supreme Court does. Ultimately, all of that affects the timing of the other criminal case, the, the Washington, D.C. federal criminal case, and how soon after um, uh, the Manhattan District Attorney case will the D.C. case go. Um, one other just kind of note as well that, you know, Judge Eileen Cannon granted, I thought, an interesting order this week because I think she's still going with a bit of the farce that 
her trial scheduled for May 20th in the Mar-a-Lago document case for Trump's willful retention of national defense information. She actually issued a paperless order um, ruling against Donald Trump here, denying Trump's motion to adjourn certain pretrial dates and deadlines. But she made it super confusing also with some clarification that depending on her ruling and the motion to compel, Donald Trump can kind of revisit the issue with, with some motion eliminates at a later time. I mean, it, it's just a very confusing ruling. I think Judge Cannon and probably the parties are confused what she's even saying there too. But I think she's going with this idea that she's still keeping this May 20th, 2024 trial date, which makes absolutely no sense given she hasn't set other dates and deadlines that are going to take time for her to resolve. So I don't believe that May 20th, 2024 deadline is real at all. And I think if the Supreme Court does not uh, grant Donald Trump's day, I don't think federal judge Tanya Chutkin's going to even care that um, Judge Cannon has that has that May date. I think Judge Chutkin's just going to set her trial date and say, well, we'll see where things are um, at that time. Um, uh, one other or two other just kind of interesting, you know, kind of geek out with the United States Supreme Court things that I think are worth sharing. Remember the blasting game case that we always talk about where the D.C. Circuit found that Donald Trump doesn't have um, a, a presidential immunity in a civil context? Donald Trump did not seek certiorari there, and the deadline has now passed for Trump to challenge the D.C. Circuit's opinion in blasting game. He could always revisit it later in the case on a summary judgment or after a verdict, but he is not filing a petition for certiorari there. And then also the United States Supreme Court has set oral arguments in that United States v. Fisher case, which is challenging the uh, issue of obstruction of official proceedings counts. It's not a case that directly involves Trump, but two of the felony counts against Donald Trump in the Washington, D.C. indictment involve obstruction of official proceeding, and the insurrectionists have been challenging the Department of Justice's ability to file against them using that charge or using that claim, and it's worked its way all the way up to the Supreme Court. Oral arguments there will be in April, and that's a big one because if they find that obstruction of an official proceeding um, is not a viable claim to be brought by the Department of Justice, it could potentially impact two of the four counts against uh, Donald Trump. So that kind of focuses on our Supreme Court review. I want to toss it over, though, to, I mean, Michael or Karen, if you have any other comments there. If not, I want to kind of finish yeah, the show. I just have one. I just have one. We'll know soon whether John Roberts has the ability to drag two more people over to his side and uh, and affirm the D.C. Court of Appeals by rejecting the state petition to take up the case and then ultimately rule on the merits of the case. There has to be five, vo five votes that there's a fair prospect that the justices will permanently overrule the lower court. Not sure about that. If John Roberts wants to leave undisturbed the D.C. Court of Appeals, he has to find two out of three. And the, of, the, of the three, he's got to find Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, or Gorsuch. And I think it's more likely to try Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, uh, Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. Because there's just people that are just not going to vote against Donald Trump, which are Alito and, and Thomas. If he can find those five, they find that it's not fairly uh, fairly likely that they're going to overturn, and that this thing dies right here. We don't need all that extended briefing and oral argument that you've outlined. But John Roberts, who you know, only in rare occasions have I seen him, you know, exercise, you know, make this the Roberts court. 
um, and really take control here. If he doesn't, then you're right. We're going to be on the normal track of briefing and appeals in March. And then again, hopefully, we if if uh, if the, uh, the case on um, immunity dies. And my understanding, I'll leave it on this. My understanding from reporting has always been that Donald Trump and his own lawyers don't believe they'll ever win on immunity. Let me repeat, Donald Trump does not believe he's going to win substantively on the appeal he's making. This has all been a tremendous elaborate game and stratagem for delay and delays purposes only. They think at the end, once this dust settles, this plan lanes, uh, uh, this plane uh, lands, that this that they are going to lose. It's just when are they going to lose? And as, if they can get it over the hump of November, that's what they've been trying to do. Let's see if John Roberts is going to be an, an accomplice to this stratagem or not. Well, if you like legal shows and politics shows where the lawyers know what they're talking about, you've come to the right place. One place only, the Midas Touch Network and Legal AF. The title is exactly what you think we do, what you just saw there. Every week, twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. on this YouTube channel and then on audio podcast platforms of your choice. If you're part of our audience, thank you for being there. We really appreciate you uh, making our journey part of yours. If you would, and, uh, and if you know people that would be interested in Legal AF, that's a good way to send them that little appetizer, that little clip right there. Send it off to them and say, hey, you know that show Legal AF I love? Come, take a listen. If you like it, join us and join our podcast. If uh, on the other hand, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I invite you to join our audience. We do that at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. Not only those Wednesdays and Saturday podcast recordings, but we, the leaders of Legal AF, and you just saw all three of them, we bring you um, our analysis and updates in individual hot takes about every hour on the Midas Touch Network. So we invite you to join our audience if, um, if uh, you so please. So uh, until my next hot take, I got a little, I got a little excited there. Until my next legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at midastouch.com/newsletter. analysts expect that to happen, but it's not impossible. But more broadly, uh, you get a sense of how the Supreme Court is going to handle this very sensitive situation. Are they going to be put in the middle, as they are today, of, of, of a presidential election? Because remember, this is not the only case that's going to come before them. We expect uh, that the Trump team is going to appeal the ruling that we saw uh, earlier this week by the, the circuit court about whether or not Donald Trump or any president has absolute immunity from criminal prosecution, uh, that that's going to be appealed likely to the Supreme Court. So we're going to see this as the first potentially of at least two and maybe more uh, cases uh, that will be central to how this country uh, uh, decides who the next president will be. Terry, what are you watching for in the hearing uh, as we hear from the attorneys and the justices? One thing that the justices face is that they really can't duck this case. The, there, there's no easy compromise. There's no real precedent. It's all up to them. So they'll be talking to each other, exploring what is the common ground that they have. Uh, and, and it may be you know, something like 
the notion of an insurrection and how that vague term can be applied in this situation. In 1868, when the amendment was passed, every American knew that the Civil War had been an insurrection. Do Americans agree on that today? What are the standards for that? Uh, and one important piece of information that I expect to hear raised by Trump's lawyers today is that Biden's own Justice Department, Special Counsel Jack Smith, has secured 700 guilty pleas. Not one person has been charged with the federal crime of insurrection. Diane? All right, Asha Rangappa, Terry Moran, Jonathan Carl, thank you all. Thank you. And we will have full coverage of the Supreme Court's arguments throughout the days. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he believes a hostage deal is still within reach despite Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejecting Hamas's counteroffer. This comes as aid organizations are sounding the alarm about Israeli troops advancing toward Rafah. Foreign correspondent James Longman is in Tel Aviv with the latest. Despite growing pressure to accept a deal to bring home Israel's remaining hostages, Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected a Hamas ceasefire proposal. He called their conditions delusional. Hamas called for the withdrawal of all Israeli troops from Gaza over a four-and-a-half-month ceasefire. Over three phases, Hamas would release all hostages, with Israel exchanging prisoners. Instead, the war rages on, and Gaza's last city still standing, Rafah, now in the crosshairs. The UN says a quarter of a million are sheltering here, but IDF ground troops are now approaching. People here are desperate for a deal. Enough, frankly, enough, says this woman. Find a solution for us. We're destroyed. And hostage families pleading with their prime minister. 34-year-old Sharon Aloni Cunio telling him, we've reached the moment of truth, the moment when you must decide who lives and who dies. Conscious that time is against them, the IDF says at least 31 of the more than 100 hostages in Gaza are already believed dead. 23-year-old Hirsch Goldberg-Polin is one of the Americans believed still in captivity. His mother met the Secretary of State this morning. We started by saying that there is no time left for these hostages. What went through your mind when you heard that this ceasefire deal had fallen through? What would you say to Netanyahu right now? Right now, he's at a crossroads. He could be known as the prime minister who oversaw the tragedy of October 7th and then subsequently brought home 136 body bags. Or he could be known as the prime minister who oversaw October 7th but brought home as many hostages alive as possible, strengthened the country, put it on a better path, and moved us forward. Yes to fresh. So Benjamin Netanyahu is repeating his call for total victory in Gaza. So the IDF is closing in on Rafah, but it is the last refuge in Gaza. Hundreds of thousands of people have taken shelter there. They really don't have anywhere else to go. Diane? Foreign correspondent James Longman in Tel Aviv, thank you. And intelligence officials are issuing a new warning about Chinese cyber attacks. They say hackers from China spent years in U.S. networks trying to attack American transportation hubs and other critical infrastructure. ABC News Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas has the details on that story. Hi, Pierre. Diane, good morning. We're getting disturbing new details about China's efforts to secretly infiltrate and potentially attack our key infrastructure and literally our way of life. Diane, we've now learned that some of the covert operations by China began at least five years ago. 
Homeland Security, FBI, and intelligence officials issued a new bulletin yesterday highlighting the Chinese hacking campaign we recently told our viewers about. The warning says China shifted from a strategy of using hacking to commit economic espionage to a strategy of using hacking to disrupt how Americans go about their daily lives. The Chinese cyber warfare involves planting malware on computer networks serving our electrical grid, oil and gas pipelines, our transportation systems, even our water treatment plants. Authorities say the plan will allow China to attack at a time of their choosing. FBI Director Ray sounding the alarm, calling his concern about China the threat of our generation, Diane. Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas, thank you. Coming up, a moose on the loose. How skiers are reacting after seeing this barreling down the mountain at a popular resort. Also ahead, what you need to know about electric cars and tax breaks. You asked, and Alexis Christophorus is answering your money questions next. And stay with ABC News Live as the Supreme Court hears arguments on whether former President Trump can be banned from the 2024 ballot. We'll listen to those arguments live when they happen. Whenever news breaks. We are here in Israel, a nation at war after that brutal surprise attack by Hamas. On the ground in Ukraine, reporting...